The Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We gather for ordered worship upon this Advent Sunday. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, service, and ministry in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We are sorely hindered by our sins. Sometimes those sins include a lack of aspiration, a lack of a sense of a shared hope for the future. We shall need going forward across the globe and across this country a liberalism that will neither play down nor fetishize identity grievances, but look instead for a common and generous language to build on who we are more broadly and to conceive more boldly what we might be able to accomplish in concert. As the choir guides us through our traditional Kyrie, may we meditate in confession upon what we might accomplish in concert. Let us pray. Make up also, Lord, we pray, within this season of preparation, a people prone to pardon, that we might forgive one another, even as thou in Christ hast forgiven us. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall bloom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of, of fearful heart, be strong, 
do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but their redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the Epistle of James, chapter 5, verses 7 to 10. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 146 with the antiphon. Happy are those whose hope is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, who Who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God is for all generations. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew chapter 11 verses 2 through 11. Glory to you, O Lord. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, 
the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
The adventure of Advent is one part memory and one part hope. Eleven or twelve days ago, there was carried into our sanctuary this beautiful pine tree, this beautiful conifer, our tallest tree to date, say 10, 11 feet tall. For those listening from afar, you may picture the tree in the northeast corner of the nave, just before the lectern and the organ, and our chaplains and our choir. It took six men and a boy to carry this into the sanctuary, for it was laden with ice and snow, and a further hour or three to let it melt and dry out. And then, and from that moment, there wafted through Marsh Chapel, here in the nave, but also and more so downstairs, the fragrance, aroma, perfume, scent, pine needle grace of a new season. Could it be that the advent of a a new season might bring to you, might bring among us a healing grace? Is it possible that the uh, arrival of this beautiful star-capped tree might shift just a bit the way by grace we are going to live. We surely could receive with gladness such a transformation. We live in challenging times, do we not? Our climate is in catastrophe. Our government is in an uproar. According to our paper of record, three of four Americans cannot name the three branches of government, executive, legislative, judicial. That makes for a difficult time in conversation about balance of power. Our denomination in tatters. Our workplaces both human and divine, but more human than divine. And today and tomorrow and the day after, papers to complete, exams to write, semester to conclude, and our families under duress since OxyContin was approved in 1995 there have been 200,000 opioid-related deaths in this country. From 2007 to 2017, the incidence of self-hurt to young adults, 10 to 24, 
has increased by 56%. And on top of it all, the existential challenges, maladies of breakfast and dinner, of getting up and finishing the day. Could it be that this seasonal intervention, this beautiful tree and its fragrance might shift us just a little bit. Now we are in Advent. You recognize that the gospel read earlier is from the 11th chapter of Matthew. No, John the Baptist appeared earlier, but here, mid-gospel, he speaks again. Jesus is recorded in Matthew 10 as giving all manner of instruction to disciples on how to be, well, disciples, and how to evangelize, and how to give stewardship, and how to teach, and how to preach, where to go, where not to go, how to live. And then there's a pause, and the precursor, the predecessor, literally in his case, John the Baptist emerges again, kind of like a fragrant evergreen, bringing its presence, its scent among us. Advent in memory and hope is a time for us to remember those who came before, those who preceded us, our precursors. Jesus had precursors. Even Jesus, even Jesus, even Jesus had precursors, especially, notably, John the Baptist, whose narrative is a reminder of judgment and redemption, including the cross itself. We don't get to the manger without a moment along the river bank. We don't get to hearth and warmth and cattle lowing and mother and child Without the voice of the Baptist, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, without that precursor, that advent interruption. Not all religious traditions are quite as good at, as, at advent as others. My own beloved history and Methodism has sometimes skipped a bit over Advent. This week, one of our seminary, seminary presidents sent me a note saying, let me greet you this Advent day. Let me greet you this Advent week. Let me greet you in Advent, Bob, in good Methodist fashion by saying, Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> we don't always pause, do we, to listen for the voices of those who came before us who shaped us. My great aunt Hazel, who raised my father, she and her husband, my uncle Bob, were childless and they raised my dad in that home. At Christmas, she baked pies and taught him 
to bake pies. She grew up right along the St. Lawrence River in northern, northern New York State, where, as she said, you could look down into Canada. Baking the pies, it is recalled, my father would tug on her apron and ask strange questions. He, who would later study theology, asked her, where was I before I was born? And she didn't respond. And again, where was I before I was born? And she was irritated. And when the question came a third time, she, she finished the crust on that pie and said, down in Canada, boiling soap. That's where you were before you were born. One December, she found me glum and asked, did your girlfriend give you the wet mitten? Now, I didn't know what she meant because I didn't understand the reference, plus I didn't know she, had, she knew I had a girlfriend, which I barely did. But she was right. There had been a, a little bit of an argument. The image, in case you miss it, is of people on a sleigh or a wagon and enjoying the outdoors and the snow falling and happiness and joy and cuddling and kissing and then somebody rejects the other with that forceful instrument, a wet mitten. Off you go. It's a compelling image. And it was the case. She was right. Well, you know, though we still managed to have 43 years of pretty happy marriage, wet mitten or no, <laughs> and the lesson was there, life goes on. This may be a despond moment, this Advent season, but life will carry on for you. Our memories, the ornament of memory, the light of hope, the ornament of memory in Matthew, the light of hope in Isaiah, are partly particular and diverse and all our own. And we need that diversity, each one holding her own. Sometimes, though, they are more unifying, universal, binding. For us to have diversity, we're going to need unity. For us to have unity, we're going to need diversity. Wednesday night, a woman came to me and said, let me place you, let me place myself in your memory. I was glad for that. She said, a dozen years ago, you came to the university Christmas party, and you didn't know what you were going to find, and I remember it. It was a Wednesday afternoon, 3.30, and I walked into the darkened student center, and people were glad and greeting, and, but with a little touch of extra happiness, and there was sort of a path that opened up to where the sleds, 10 of them each year in competition, were placed. And there was a friend guiding me by the elbow. And I got to the front, and there, right in the middle, I think it won the prize that year, was Marsh Chapel, a sled made of gingerbread and licorice and chocolate and candy and the unifying memory of the centrality, the architectural, historic, spiritual, religious, locational centrality of Marsh Chapel to this community.
through a rhythm, a ritual of making sleds. She said, we took a picture remembering how moved you were. It was a welcome moment, December of 2007. And there, made out in little bits of candy, were words you've come to cherish, a unifying memory. When the song of the angels is stilled, and the star in the sky is gone, and the kings and princes are home, and the shepherds are back with their flocks, then the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to visit the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers and sisters, to make music in the heart. Carlisle Marnie used to ask, he put it in a funny way, who told you who you was? I want to ask you about that this morning in Advent. Who came before you? Predecessor, precursor, ornament in memory, as in Matthew. Advent is one part memory and one part hope. Did you listen to the passage from Isaiah 35? Really, its origins are with the second part of Isaiah, most probably. Its aspirations, its hopes, so improbable, as we heard last week, from Isaiah 2, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy hill, saith the Lord. Seems so improbable where we sit, and yet, there they are. Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Say to those who are of tender heart, be strong. Fear not, your God will come and save you. There are waters that will flow in the wilderness and streams in the desert, and weeping and sighing shall be no more. Advent is a time to recapture a sense of hope. These are diverse and particular and even idiosyncratic, those moments of hope, those people who came into life and guided you toward a better place, a newer world. For us, some years ago, in two years of his preaching ministry at Riverside Church in New York City, we were there for his first Sunday, he continued to enjoy his ministry, including piano and music and fellowship in his home, was William Sloan Coffin of blessed memory. He who could speak out of his earlier life and experience to corporate America, to business America, to governmental and cultural leadership, and also after several years at Bechtel Chapel at Yale capacity with real integrity to speak in a scholastic and in an academic way, too. He was an epigrammatist and gave particular hope. I carry his voice every day on faith 
Faith is being grasped by the power of love. On truth, faith gives us the strength to face unpleasant truth. On will, the rational mind is no match for the irrational will. On justice, pastoral care for the rich must be matched and overmatched by prophetic concern for the poor. On sin, sin is a state of being. And when, when the triangle, God, neighbor, and self is sundered, there you fall into that state. On prejudice, white racism, straight homophobia, male chauvinism, these exist because the things sometimes that are unspoken become most influential. He also could be a bit acerbic. A book was published in those years titled, I'm Okay, You're Okay, and the reporter asked his view of the tome, and he said, I don't agree with it. Well, the reporter said, why not? Aren't you okay? Aren't I okay? And he said, no. What do you think, Mr. Coffin? And he said, here's the gospel. I'm not okay, and you're not okay, but that's okay. <laughs> he married his, his third wife, Arthur Rubenstein's, Rubenstein's daughter, and the great musician was heard to say, I'm glad my daughter's happy, but I wish she hadn't picked some Billy Graham, to which Coffin replied, I'm glad she's happy too, but I wish her father-in-law weren't, weren't some Liberace. In other words, he, he could be sharp. Even to preachers, he would say, preachers, be careful. You are egotists with a theological alibi. But you know, when his fairly young son died in a tragic accident, not far from here, by the way, if memory serves. I hold this every day. He said, yes, my heart is broken. Well, let me tell you, God's heart was the first to break. In hope, there are voices that have guided you to this point. They're diverse, they're particular, they're yours, perhaps nobody else's. But there are also some great unifying hopes. Some of you will have seen displayed on the great screen the story of Fred Rogers recently, beautiful film. He who, by the way, this isn't mentioned, so I add a footnote, was a religious person. He was a Presbyterian minister, Fred Rogers, trained at the Pittsburgh School of Pittsburgh Theological Seminary in that Calvinist creed, a little bit chilly, but good for Advent. And in the film, you see his practice of ministry, memorable for those of us day by day, entering the ministry. He rose and read scripture, not just historically, critically, and analytically, but personally, spiritually, and devotionally. That's good. He visited in home and workplace, in third place, those in need. That's good. He prayed for people with a list by name, day by day. That's good. 
with his wife on another piano. He played, forehand piano they played, every other day for the nourishment uh, in beauty of the spirit. That's good. He conversed in person, by telephone, in group, individually, listening and speaking, healing, healing, healing. And he gave saving hope. You know, we discovered the copy this week of his sermon given from this pulpit in May of 1992. Mr. Rogers spoke for 22 minutes, and everything in the film is captured there, by the way. And at the end, he asked what I'm going to ask you right now. Who told you who you were, who believed in you, who loved you, who shaped you? What one person can you remember with generosity, whose own generosity fed you, guided you to this point? The adventure of Advent is ornament and light, both memory and hope, both in diverse and unifying forms. So in this moment, I ask you, who do you recall with gratitude who believed in you, who shaped you, who gave you space to become who you are. Guide us, O Lord, we pray, each and every day through this Advent adventure in Christ. Amen. O come, all ye faithful. Come, adore on bended knee. Come and worship. Come, let us adore him. The beckoning words of familiar Christmas hymns serve as our invitation to prayer. You're welcome to follow your tradition and stand, sit, or kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord.
Loving and merciful God, because of your tender mercy, the dawn of heaven came to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. With love and awe, we embrace you for loving us so dearly. Joyfully, we adore you and offer our thanksgiving and praise for this promise fulfilled, and we look forward to the day when he returns again. Jesus, to thee, all glory is given. As we prepare for Christ's return, empower us, Holy Spirit, so that we may grow in faith and knowledge in our Lord Jesus Christ. Abide with us so that we may put that knowledge into action and live confidently and boldly as Christians, on guard, standing firm in the faith, courageous and strong, and extending kindness and love in everything we do. Abide with us so our minds are focused on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Guide us to thy perfect light. Abide with us and open our eyes so that we acknowledge you in everything that we do. Guide us to thy perfect light. Abide with us so that we speak your truths and sing your praises. Let the words from our mouths be words of faith, hope, joy, and love. Guide us to thy perfect light. We confess that we have not loved as you have taught us and we have strayed from the path of peace. Purify our hearts, for we willingly offer them to you. Cleanse us of indifference and intolerance. Refine us so that we reflect your love with compassion and patience. Renew in us a spirit of kindness, humility, and gentleness so that we may be the peace of your presence in those we encounter. Help us to forgive one another as you have forgiven us. Guide us to thy perfect light. Be with those whose service call, keeps them away from their loved ones. We pray for those around the world who suffer from indignities of injustice, the violence of war, and the apathy of their governments. We pray for the leadership of our country, as well as the leaders around the world. We pray for those at eternal rest and ask that you comfort friends and loved ones who grieve for them. Give strength and courage to those who are dying. For the anxious, we ask for your peace. We pray for the sick and those undergoing medical procedures. Stand beside their caregivers, guiding their hands and focusing their minds. We recognize that we need you and we need to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and we are truly thankful for it. Wake us from our worldly slumbers and help us to stay awake, not just during the Advent season, but every day. Give ear to us and hear our prayers, for we offer them in the name of love's pure light and pray together as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. My name is Nick Rodriguez, and I am the Ministry Associate for Outreach and Engagement. We welcome you once again to the nave of Marsh Chapel and hope you will take a moment to help us get to know you better so that we can help you get to know one another better by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew. Our regular chapel programming will be suspended throughout winter intercession and will resume in January for the spring semester. There will be no childcare provided at chapel services through winter break. Childcare will resume on January 5th. On Christmas Eve next Tuesday, we'll have two services. The first will be held at 1 p.m. and a candlelight Christmas Eve service will be held at 7 p.m. For all other upcoming services and activities, we would encourage you to keep an eye to the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where you may also find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us in offering and sacrifice to God.
merciful God, everything in heaven and earth belongs to you. We joyfully release what you have entrusted to us. May these gifts be signs of our whole lives returned to you, dedicated to the healing and unity of all creation. Amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and always. Amen. <laughs>